All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is actually episode 500. Uh, it's just me and Jason. And we're going to cover a lot of ground, kind of in a way. It's where we are or where we suspect we are, where we're headed, the things that are coming. Well, certainly some of them are, are coming, whether or not they establish themselves. Left, it, it remains to be seen. Years and years ago, uh, we started talking on this podcast about something's coming. And in March of 2020, we said it's here. And since that time, the world has been changing so quickly, uh, it's enough to make your head spin. I would point out that there is a meme that seems to be making it into movies and all these other places, which is pushing a programming point of view that the unwashed masses, or you and me, want to be ruled. We need to be ruled. Uh, We demand to be ruled. And in this, uh, we're going to find out real quick with some of the things that are coming if they're accepted. As an example of this, I recently saw some of the stats on the digital ID that they've been testing around the world in places like India for years now. And what I learned is there are apparently four backup plans if they don't succeed. Uh, But what's more is while they knew they could force the implementation of the digital ID, on average, 10% of the folks who got it used it. Now, we're coming into an era where there are going to be so many things like this that are meant to put a digital fence around us. And what it comes down to is whether the majority accept it or they don't. But anyhow, welcome, Jason. And it is an absolutely beautiful spring morning here in Louisiana. Well, the plants think it's spring, but we are still cold. I'm hearing my friend in Michigan's getting snowed on, (laughs) and that's getting real old. But uh, 500 episodes, I mean, that's over, what, a thousand hours of content. Anyhow, that doesn't even count the point fives and all the other work we've done. That's right. It's been a long road. We have done many shows on many topics, and I hope that many people have come away with something very positive from all of that work. I hope. The legal episodes, the health episodes, just the general idea episodes. We get a lot of emails, but truly that is my intent at this point. And the reason I do it is hopefully many, many, many minds have benefited. And while we know certainly there have been numbers who did legal ideas, some of them on their own, uh, while they've done health ideas, we've heard some amazing, some amazing outcomes. But anyhow, Here we are. Let's jump in to 500. And let me say the following before Jason begins. We're going to make an assumption about the age we're in, and it's not totally an assumption. But at the same time, I can't absolutely prove it, but I have done incalculable uh, research over much of my life on this very idea. So for the context of what we're doing here, what I feel is the closest to accurate is a thing called the Dwapara Yuga, which is an old Hindu idea, which does couple with zodiacal ideas, but in that it would push off, as many of the people we have had on, the so-called age of Aquarius for a few hundred years. But that's only going to be just in the opening. The only reason it matters is because if, in fact, we are in the ascending Dwapara Yuga, or I guess that would be the equivalent of the Bronze Age uh, in other ways of reckoning, the lowest point being iron, which we just came out of, supposedly. Um, It'll be about energy. And I think if we look around, we can all agree that electricity is about to drive everything that happens. Anyhow. Dwapara Yuga, the age of energy. This is probably the age that we are living in now. And it is referred to as the age of energy, because in this age, we are better able to understand and harness energy than in Kali Yuga. In this Dwapara Yuga, technology is booming, and all sorts of new religions, philosophies, and scientific discoveries are popping up. We now know that matter and energy are interchangeable. This is the age when we learn to transcend space and distance. We are already doing it somewhat with telephone, internet, and high-speed transportation, and in the future we will probably discover the secret of instantaneous travel, allowing us to wander among the stars. Maybe. (laughs) Unfortunately, we still have a long way to go. Dwapara Yuga people are extremely self-interested, 
And so our motivation to achieve is usually selfish. And there are higher ways of perceiving the universe than just reason. In Tetra Yuga, we learn how to use our intuition. All right, that would be actually Treta Yuga. The idea is three, although it's one step from the supposed golden age. Um, and as I've said, I'm just going to breeze over this quickly. The idea is when we were at the bottom in the dark age, uh, which is synonymous with the Iron Age or called the Kali Yuga, that we had 25% of what the East likes to call our mm -hmm. virtue. Uh, I think from my point of view in the West, we might call that consciousness. That's my best guess. Supposedly, we get back to 50% within this era. And so in the Treta, we would go up to three quarters, of course, in the Golden Age, 100%. But this is truly the age of energy, whether or not the age thing that I've laid out here is on the money. Um, and electricity, as I have pointed out, in my view, is the only force in this realm. And the daughter of that, as pointed out by Walter Russell and others, would be magnetism or electromagnetism. Uh, one of the claims from people who are supposedly holding records from past yuga cycles is that there are five subtle levels of energy. Those are reflected in our senses like sight, smell, taste, these kinds of things. But who can deny that electricity? I mean, even all our cars are going to be electric. And as we get in here, uh, the bid for control and a world takeover almost certainly going to be policed by digital or electronic devices. The Fourth Industrial Revolution, also labeled as 4IR or Industry 4.0, conceptualizes rapid change to technology, industries, and societal patterns and processes in the 21st century due to increasing interconnectivity and smart automation. The term was popularized in 2015 by Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum founder and executive chairman, and has since been used in numerous economic, political, and scientific articles in reference to the current era of emerging high technology. Schwab asserts that the changes seen are more than just improvements to efficiency, but express a significant shift in industrial capitalism. A part of this phase of industrial change is the joining of technologies like artificial intelligence, gene editing, to advanced robotics that blur the lines between the physical, digital, and biological worlds. Throughout this, fundamental shifts are taking place in how the global production and supply network operates through ongoing automation of traditional manufacturing and industrial practices using modern smart technology large-scale machine-to-machine communication, and the Internet of Things. This integration results in increasing automation, improving communication and self-monitoring, and the use of smart machines that can analyze and diagnose issues without the need for human intervention. It also represents a social, political, and economic shift from the digital age of the late 1990s and early 2000s to an era of embedded connectivity distinguished by the omni-use and commonness of technological use throughout society, e.g. a metaverse that changes the way humans experience and know the world around them. It posits that we have created and are entering an augmented social reality compared to just the natural senses and industrial ability of humans alone. All right, come on. This is all a bunch of polite language and ways of expressing that data is powerful, it's now king, and it's going to be used to control us if they can pull it off. And unfortunately, we all are holding cell phones, or the vast majority of us, and that will be the anchor to what goes on next. But this last part, claiming that somehow the metaverse changes the way we experience the world. No, it doesn't. It replaces it. The metaverse is a synthetic creation. It is not the truths held within nature. But the real thing about all this data, the internet of things and all this machine learning and the massive amounts of data is it lets them know things that no one could have known a few decades ago. And that's really where the rubber meets the road here. To be able to know what people are going to do before they do it, um, to be able to model things that give you some idea of the outcome of the thing before you do it, that's really what we're talking about. 
And Lord only knows, um, as computers get faster and better and, you know, the internet of things is going to collect data on everything, your damn toaster for crying out loud, who knows where this goes, but what we do know and what was proven in 2020 is they want us to be guinea pigs. They want us to be fenced in and they want to act like we said, okay, to it. That's really the way I see things right now. So I don't know if you've ever been to a Best Buy in recent years, but when you just walk around the appliances and all that, the amount of crap that has a computer of some sort, a lot of times with a screen built into it, it's getting kind of creepy how much of this stuff is just monitoring what's going on in its vicinity these days. Well, it's crazy, Jason. I had to get a new stove. I almost wish I hadn't. The repair cost for the old electric stove I had was, I don't know, it was like a few hundred bucks or something between four and 500 bucks to fix this thing. And I'm thinking, okay, it's old. You know, I could probably just buy a new one for not much more. So I do that. And what happens is the thing's trying to get on a Wi-Fi network when it gets here. So, you know, you know, my common friend who's like a digital genius and I'm all, how do I turn this off? It turns off. It turns out it's making its own hotspot. Um, so I'm going through all this effort for the damn stove. And so this changed my whole way of thinking about my other appliances. Like I have old refrigerators, but as I began to look, I began to realize maybe really what I want to do is spend the money to repair the old refrigerators. But to be fair, and people may comment about this, I haven't done searches on something like a refrigerator to see if there are just old mechanical versions around anymore. I mean, I know there's going to be digital control components, but people know what I'm getting at. Uh, are they going to be looking for a Wi-Fi signal uh, and all these things? It's crazy. And why would you do that? Does my stove with a hot spot make my ability to cook any better? No. As a matter of fact, am I even using it? No. What's it doing? Well, it's prepping up for the internet of things. It's ready to collect data. Oh, this family every morning cooks a couple eggs or whatever, because the refrigerator told them they got eggs and the stove told them they turned it on long enough to cook an egg. And this is where this goes. But the real kind of creepy part of this is when you multiply that by hundreds of millions of families all over the world, what can be done with that data? And we know from the wisdom of the crowd and other very low level analog ideas that it's about magical what can be done with that data. Somewhere around 100 episodes ago, we discussed the metaverse. Things have changed for the immediate outlook for the metaverse since then. This next piece is from Gizmodo, March 16th, 2023. Zuckerberg pivots to AI after pivoting to the metaverse. The company, formerly known as Facebook, is shifting its focus once again, this time to enter the artificial intelligence arms race. With the rise and proliferation of advanced large language model chatbots like OpenAI's ChatGPT, everyone and their mother seems to be talking about AI. Tech companies from Microsoft to Google to Amazon to Snapchat to LinkedIn are either rushing to create their own comparable text-generating tech or incorporating ChatGPT into their products. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, is no exception. Mark Zuckerberg's tech behemoth released its own research-focused large-language model last month, which would be in February. Just days later, the company announced it would soon be incorporating AI into its consumer-facing products. Now, the CEO has stated that AI won't just be a facet of Meta's work going forward, it will be the focus. Meta will be moving its primary goalposts from filling up a sparsely populated virtual world into the increasingly crowded terrain of generative AI. Under Zuckerberg's so-called year of efficiency, company-wide reorganization, Meta's single largest investment is in advancing AI and building it into every one of our products, he wrote in an official update released Tuesday. We have the infrastructure to do this at unprecedented scale, and I think the experiences it enables will be amazing, he added. The announcement came in the same letter in which the CEO confirmed Meta would be cutting 10,000 of its employees. Ah, out with the old tech, in with the new. 
you know, I always view Zuckerberg about how I view Elon Musk. They're about like mascots in my eyes, but whatever it is, uh, what we see here is uh, just look at the look at the language, the artificial intelligence arms race. Well, why would you use language like that? And I think it's telling. It's exactly what it is. Uh, I think there is a glowing, a, a growing knowing, you know, like in the old days and still today, whoever has the most gold probably has a seat at the table when the big new world starts to emerge in the open. I think the true, the same is true of AI. Whoever has the best AI is going to be king of the heap. And what can be done with the AI is it's mind boggling. Already with just these minor versions like GPT, I think it's level four um, that are openly released for people to use already. Architects are beginning to think, am I going to be here? In a couple of years, my evaluation of what I see and what I see coming is that AI is going to change the world more than we are aware it has ever been changed, and it is going to be across the boards. But this all is dependent on everybody allowing it to happen. But I don't think that there's much that's going to stop it because, again, I think the big players like China or the United States or others know that it's like the old nuclear idea. If we can fake like we have the most nuclear weapons, then we're in the top pantheon. AI is going to be that in a whole new era. The Guardian, March 17th, 2023. We are a little bit scared. OpenAI CEO warns of risks of artificial intelligence. Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, the company that developed the controversial consumer-facing artificial intelligence application ChatGPT has warned that the technology comes with real dangers as it reshapes society. Altman, 37, stressed that regulators and society need to be involved with the technology to guard against potentially negative consequences for humanity. We've got to be careful here, Altman told ABC News, adding, I think people should be happy that we are a little bit scared of this. I'm particularly worried that these models could be used for large-scale disinformation, Altman said. Now that they're getting better at writing computer code, they could be used for offensive cyber attacks. But despite the dangers, he said, it could also be the greatest technology humanity has yet developed. The warning came as OpenAI released the latest version of its language AI model, GPT-4, less than four months since the original version was released and became the fastest-growing consumer application in history. In the interview, the artificial intelligence engineer said that although the new version was not perfect, it had scored 90% in the U.S. on the bar exams and a near-perfect score on the high school SAT math test. It could also write computer code in most programming languages, he said. Fears over consumer-facing artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence in general focus on humans being replaced by machines. But Altman pointed out that AI only works under direction or input from humans. It waits for someone to give it an input, he said. This is a tool that is very much in human control. But he said he had concerns about which humans had input control. There will be other people who don't put some of the safety limits that we put on, he added. Society, I think, has a limited amount of time to figure out how to react to that, how to regulate that, how to handle that. Many users of ChatGPT have encountered a machine with responses that are defensive to the point of paranoid. In tests offered to the TV news outlet, GPT-4 performed a test in which it conjured up recipes from the contents of a fridge. The Tesla CEO, Elon Musk, one of the first investors in OpenAI when it was still a non-profit company, has repeatedly issued warnings that AI or AGI, artificial general intelligence, is more dangerous than a nuclear weapon. Musk voiced concern that Microsoft, which hosts ChatGPT on its Bing search engine, had disbanded its ethics oversight division. There is no regulatory oversight of AI, which is a major problem. I've been calling for AI safety regulation for over a decade, Musk tweeted in December. This week, Musk fretted, also on Twitter, which he owns, what will be left for us humans to do? 
On Thursday, Altman acknowledged that the latest version uses deductive reasoning rather than memorization, a process that can lead to bizarre responses. The thing that I try to caution people the most is what we call the hallucinations problem, Altman said. The model will confidently state things as if they were facts that are entirely made up. The right way to think of the models that we create is a reasoning engine, not a fact database, he added. While the technology could act as a database of facts, he said, that's not really what's special about them. What we want them to do is something closer to the ability to reason, not to memorize. What you get out depends on what you put in, The Guardian recently warned in an analysis of ChatGPT. We deserve better from the tools we use, the media we consume, and the communities we live within. And we will only get what we deserve when we are capable of participating in them fully. That's a creepy statement. We will get what we deserve when, you know, what did 2020 teach us? The idea of regulation and concern for lives, that was out the window and everybody knows it. What they did in 2020 going forward was a direct assault. Um, and people who wanted to report problems were stifled. They lost their jobs. People were coerced into taking medical procedures they didn't want. We know all about regulation. And yet what we see here is all these supposed key players saying this is going to be dangerous. We need real oversight. And yet we all know in our heart of hearts, there is no oversight. This is the Wild West for the most powerful corporations. They basically run roughshod. They're basically above governments. They basically do whatever they want or seemingly maybe what that magical high table or whatever it is above them uh, have them doing. The point is, is this is learning every day. So this idea that it's weird, there were hallucinations. Uh, what I would point out, what I have read about AI, and we did our first episode, I think a year or two ago, it learns nonstop. Every day it is learning. So in essence, the AI that was yesterday is not the AI that is today, if you want to be honest about what's being claimed about it. But this is where the modern age is showing its cracks. Oversight, does anyone out there believe in oversight anymore? Does anyone think that people in power and big corporations and governments have oversight that makes a damn bit of difference to the lives of the average man or woman. I would suggest to you that 2020 showed us it does not. And that's really a benchmark for us to estimate where this is probably going. So you remember all that data that we were talking about that's being collected? <laughs> what yeah. do you think one of the uses <laughs> of it's going to be? It's whatever they want. And what's crazy is you can imagine it's like all things. Like when we finally get our chat GPT, it's probably 50 years behind. And what did Elon Musk say on Twitter? Uh, for 10 years, I've been hollering about AI. Well, nobody's even thought about AI till roughly 2021 or 2022, but it goes to show he was if his statement is true. So what can the most powerful AI in the world do? And I suggest to you that the people who know the answer to that question are the people driving forward what's about to happen next. It's a hell of a thing. And by the way, if we want to be common sense about it, how do you make a movie like Terminator in the 90s? Because that pretty much presupposes and the story arc presupposes that basically what we call AI is going to be out of control and a problem. And while the storyline may have it in a more fashionable method to deliver it so people will watch, the point is, how in the heck did they even come up with such a storyline? I would suggest this has been on the table for a long time and that AI is far beyond what we think by looking at chat GPT or other kind of nursery school level tools that have been allowed out in public. A central bank, reserve bank, or monetary authority is an institution that manages the currency and monetary policy of a country or monetary union and oversees their commercial banking system. In contrast to a commercial bank, a central bank possesses a monopoly on increasing the monetary base. Most central banks also have supervisory and regulatory powers to ensure the stability of member institutions, to prevent bank runs, and to discourage reckless or fraudulent behavior by member banks. A central bank is a financial institution 
given privileged control over the production and distribution of money and credit for a nation or a group of nations. In modern economies, the central bank is usually responsible for the formulation of monetary policy and the regulation of member banks. Central banks are inherently non-market-based or even anti-competitive institutions. Although some are nationalized, many central banks are not government agencies, and so are often touted as being politically independent. However, even if a central bank is not legally owned by the government, its privileges are established and protected by law. The critical feature of a central bank, distinguishing it from other banks, is its legal monopoly status, which gives it the privilege to issue banknotes and cash. Private commercial banks are only permitted to issue demand liabilities, such as checking deposits. This example of what a central bank is and what's about to come in the digital era is a good bellwether for what we said on the last bullet point. How is it that private families basically ran a monopoly on all the monetary systems? For those who are as old as I am, you can remember two big monopoly lawsuits. One was against what we call Ma Bell or the phone system, which was broken up and accused of having a monopoly. Another one that was a little more recent was done against Microsoft with web browsers. And by the way, the way it was done took out most of the competition along the way, even though they were supposedly eventually told to knock it off because you can't have a monopoly. Meanwhile, all of our monetary systems are a monopoly that are not government that are protected by law. So you can kind of see this is the perfect cue up. What what do we know of our monetary system over the decades, even a century? Um, How is this going to be any different from how AI or other things are run? And, you know, here's another thing. In all my life, it was funny because my wife and I were looking for a movie to watch unsuccessfully the other night. They had bank heist movies and we were laughing. We didn't even watch it. How how could you even do a bank heist today? Everything's on camera. Uh, You're tracked everywhere you go. They know where you've been for the last 24 hours if you bought anything. If you drove a modern car, they know where the car went. There would be all this masking activity that would have to go on to even try to rob a bank now. But it occurred to me that every bank heist movie I've ever seen in my life was doing basically one thing, trying to convince me that money is so valuable that someone would give up their life to protect that piece of paper, which is completely provably worthless. And that is with the exception of one I thought about, which was the old James Bond Goldfinger movie, where right before they pulled us permanently, wholly off the gold standard, they made a Bond movie, which would be popular worldwide to convince us that there was still gold in Fort Knox. My point is, is doesn't central banking and how it works and what it has done free of any seeming oversight kind of predict where we're about to go with all the digital things we're about to face. From imf.org, monetary policy and central banking. What is monetary policy and why is it important? Central banks use monetary policy to manage economic fluctuations and achieve price stability, which means that inflation is low and stable. Central banks in many advanced economies set explicit inflation targets. Many developing countries also are moving to inflation targeting. Central banks conduct monetary policy by adjusting the supply of money, usually through buying or selling securities in the open market. Open market operations affect short-term interest rates, which in turn influence longer-term rates and economic activity. When central banks lower interest rates, monetary policy is easing. When they raise interest rates, monetary policy is tightening. And yet the whole thing is based on convincing us all that the IOU or the fiat currency in our pocket has some value, yet that is going away now. And this idea of central banks using monetary policy to manage economic fluctuations, in my lifetime, I've seen runaway inflation. Um, I've seen any number of the problems they're supposed to be regulating. But the one we're seeing now, I would imagine, is going to end dollars as we once knew them. How long it takes, I don't know. Anyone can guess at it, but it's pretty clear that digital currency is coming. I would go so far as to say that the crashing of FTX, 
that the taking out of Silicon Bank uh, in part was to reduce any competition from the so-called crypto community. And I know a lot of people differ on that point of view. But what's happening now is the CBDC is on the way. And when we get here in that conversation, it is a hell of a thing. And like I mentioned before, I've actually seen and talked with some people where there are apparently four backup plans if it doesn't go. And what's crazy is one of them, as I remember it, I don't have it in front of me. Um, Actually, I never had it in front of me, uh, is that people may refuse these things and then get together in communities and begin to take care of themselves. But if they do that, the world will run out of all the things we need for the world to run. I'm not even kidding you. It's insanity at a level we can't imagine. But right now, the central banks, who as far as I can see, they basically regulate themselves if there is any regulation. In other words, are they doing anything more but acting in their own interests? And by the way, who voted them in to control everything about how we buy and sell? And also, you might notice a lot of people who are Christian are bringing up the idea of the mark of the beast, as it is called, where you cannot buy or sell without it. Well, that's kind of what the CBDC is going to be. Very similar to that idea. Cryptocurrency, sometimes called crypto, is any form of currency that exists digitally or virtually and uses cryptography to secure transactions. Cryptocurrencies don't have a central issuing or regulating authority, instead using a decentralized system to record transactions and issue new units. Cryptocurrencies run on a distributed public ledger called blockchain, a record of all transactions updated and held by currency holders. Units of cryptocurrency are created through a process called mining, which involves using computer power to solve complicated mathematical problems that generate coins. Users can also buy the currencies from brokers, then store and spend them using cryptographic wallets. If you own cryptocurrency, you don't own anything tangible. What you own is a key that allows you to move a record or a unit of measure from one person to another without a trusted third party. Although Bitcoin has been around since 2009, cryptocurrencies and applications of blockchain technology are still emerging in financial terms and more uses are expected in the future. Transactions, including bonds, stocks, and other financial assets, could eventually be traded using the technology. So what I heard from some insiders was part of what went on with all the banking when they were taking out places they didn't want around because of the coming digital central bank products, if you want to call them that, was for some reason they felt threatened against a thing called stablecoin. And I'm just putting it out there because that's what I was told. People know how I feel about cryptocurrency. And at this point, I kind of feel like, you know, I I get that it was absolutely intended to be a good idea. But the whole time I said central bank doesn't tolerate competition. I suspect what has happened with crypto was it paved the way for what they're about to try to do with the thing called CBDC. Now, whether or not things get so dire after they put in place the digital controlling currency from a central bank, whether or not the crypto community, you know, puts their nose to the grindstone and somehow figures out a way to run below the radar, who knows how all that's going to come. But up to this point, what I noticed is all those people who had good intentions to decentralize uh, came up with crypto and it paved the way. And then the Fed just simply came in and took it over and took out banking hubs that were allowing big crypto endeavors and things like this. And consider the Silicon Bank. You know, that was that was a lot of Silicon Valley startups and other things. Um, I don't know if we'll ever know completely what that was about, but people who know way more than I do told me that there was a relation to cryptocurrency that was not controlled by the so-called Fed being stamped down so that there was no competition. I am not an expert on this, but what I do know is that there's no value here. And until we get back someday to actual value, someone does a job that is worth this amount and someone gives them a thing which is actually worth an amount, 
then we're just going to be on versions of what we've been doing with crypto. And it goes against spiritual concerns, but I'm not really going to get into that. What's coming with the CBDC is something that we have never seen the likes of, programmable currency. And we'll get into that a little more, but things like, guess what? You've got 100 units in your wallet. It's going to expire in 30 days if you don't use it. And that is one minute example. It will be an absolute full frontal effort for control. And by the way, I get emails every day right now about places in Australia in Britain that are already starting to implement the so-called 15 or 20 minute neighborhoods. In other words, you can't go beyond that. Or if you do, there will be some retribution. I don't know if it's fully shook out, but I've been getting a lot from, I think it's Melbourne. It's crazy. It's complete cattle call. It's making a corral and corralling people into it. And the only thing that allows it is whether or not people accept it. And by the way, if this does get accepted, who can argue with, I don't know, the likes of Loki from the Marvel movie? I think he's one of the ones I remember recently that said, oh, you love, you have to be ruled. You need a ruler. You're no better than sheep. You demand to be ruled. Who's going to be right? Is he going to be right? Well, if all this gets adopted, how do you argue with that idea? I would ask. What is a central bank digital currency? Central bank digital currencies are a form of digital currency that is issued by a country's central bank. They are similar to cryptocurrencies, except their value is fixed by the central bank and equivalent to the country's fiat currency. Many countries are developing CBDCs, and some have even implemented them. Because so many countries are researching ways to transition to digital currencies, it's important to understand what they are and what they mean for society. All right. So I can only tell you what I have been told by people who are a lot higher up the chain than I will ever be and have supposedly a better view. They're claiming that the infrastructure for CBDCs has already been running behind the scenes. Uh, I think it's been commonly announced on the news, and I might be wrong, that by June or something, FedPay or FedNowPay, whatever it is, what they're also telling me is this is also cover and implementing further the CBDC idea. I can't tell you whether any of that is true, but what I can tell you is all the way back when we did the episode, it wasn't even here, I don't think. I think it was with Jason and Wayne somewhere else. We did the white paper on what was then being called the digital dollar. There were things said, like it will be openly said by the people who created the white paper for the digital dollar, that it will be impossible to have a savings account. It will be nearly impossible for a father or mother to inherit their wealth down to their children. This was then, and you can only imagine what it's going to bring now if people accept it. And I will reiterate, the digital IDs and other things like this are are aiming for basically, as far as I can tell, it's like a very extreme form of communism or techno-communism with ironclad controls that have never been seen before. My view is that's why Silicon Valley gave tech to China in 97, so they could prove that large populations could be controlled to a person, which they pretty much did. Um, and where this goes is if it is adopted, if it is allowed to be. In other words, people are forgetting the main thing about the entirety of this whole era we are moving into with technology is people are forgetting that they always have the right not to accept the offer or to say no. The problem is the people implementing these things are very clever. You saw it with the jab. Want to keep your job? Then do this. And even though a lot of people who were threatened and said no didn't lose their job, a lot of people who were afraid they would by the coercion did what they were told. And I imagine we'll see versions of this again. And what it comes down to is this is an offer. It just doesn't appear to be an offer. It appears to be the only avenue for, for many of us. Uh, will it be accepted or, or will the majority of people say no thank you? Central bank digital currency is a new form of money that exists only in digital form. Instead of printing money, the central bank issues widely accessible digital coins so that digital transactions and transfers become simple. Efforts towards CBDC grow all over the world for many reasons. 
First, the COVID-19 crisis induced a shift in payment habits towards digital, contactless payments and e-commerce due to a now-refuted danger of banknotes being a way of transmitting infection, which has accelerated the decline of cash use. Second, cryptocurrencies developed by private organizations or informal communities, e.g. Bitcoin, have seen significant developments in value gain. As a response, 87 countries, representing over 90% of global GDP, are now exploring central bank digital currencies, while nine of them have fully launched a state-owned digital currency. CBDC could be developed in a number of ways. In a centralized approach, transactions are recorded in ledgers managed by central banks that also provide user-facing services. In a decentralized approach, a central bank sets rules and requirements for the settlement of CBDC transactions that are then recorded by users and or financial intermediaries. The impact of CBDC depends also on the chosen implementation. Conventional money requires many intermediaries in the payment chain, resulting in less efficient and secure payment experiences as we showed in our recent tech dispatch. CBDC could find solutions to these issues, developing a more efficient, fast, secure, and sovereign form of payment process. The European Central Bank, after exploring possible design scenarios for launching a digital euro and consulting with stakeholders, decided to launch a CBDC project with an investigation phase that will last from October 2021 to October 2023. In other words, we're going to dip our toe in the water, and if this goes as well as we hope, then that's going to be the way it is from then on. I have been told by people that the COVID PSYOP and things related to it went so well, supposedly, that they moved up their timetable by years. And what's creepy about that is when I was first told that years ago, I wondered if it was true, but I have seen things since that make me suspect that it probably was. So we have COVID and one of the side effects, or was it planned, hint, 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 was that paperless transactions got a big bump. And what did they do? They said, oh, you can get sick if you touch someone else's bill. And that was later shown to be false, but nonetheless, it was done. Other things that I suspect, having seen some of the four fallback plans, if some of these things don't work as well as they had hoped, is that some mass event would be used to implement these kinds of changes. But at the end of the day, Jason, I, I, I think it's clear. We have the ability in mass to say, we don't want that. And if we don't do that and we become slaved out to systems like programmable currency, which absolutely track every single purchase you will ever make, and it does it for all time and is probably fed to AI, I would imagine, and also can limit not only where you can spend it, what you can spend it on, how long you can even own it. You can have this $100 for the next 30 days. If you don't spend it, it evaporates. These are the kinds of things that will be implemented. And what we have seen in the past, well, at least up to 2020, is most big things like this are gradually implemented. But look how quickly since 2020, some of these things have come, like caution to the wind. Like some of the bets made by the controllers have been so massive it boggles the mind. You know, I'm, I'm with everybody listening. Don't we all hope and pray that one of these big, big, big bets they make just blows up in their face. But the problem is, is we've seen what happens in the past Then a big event comes. And one of the bellwethers that I have noticed is about a year ago, I was disheartened when I went out into my immediate community to grocery shop at the number of people still wearing masks. Now, I don't see that anymore. I see very few people, but I still see them. And isn't that a good kind of marker on where we are, on what people are willing to accept? What I noticed on the tale of COVID at first was, oh my God, people are still buying this. And then as time went on, I started to feel like many that would never have woke up to the nonsense we endure uh, are now quite aware that this was all a put up. I don't know what you think, Jason. As an example, do you still see a lot of people wearing masks after all this time? I wouldn't say a lot, but here's the thing, and this is going to be a little rude, but it is what it is. 
too many dummies went along with the whole COVID nonsense. And the problem here we are about to face is how many dummies are going to go along with central bank digital currencies? If so many more people had just said no during the COVID, whatever you want to call it, they call it a crisis, but it was make-believe for the most part, uh, we wouldn't be where we're at right now because the controllers would have to take a step back and be like, okay, that's not exactly the way we wanted that to go. But apparently, from what we can gather, it went way better than uh, anything that uh, they could have hoped, which means like, okay, these dummies will buy anything, scare the shit out of them and keep scaring the shit out of them because that works. That's what I was told, that it went over much better than they had ever hoped. And that increased the timetable, sped up the timetable. But, you know, I want to be with you too. You know, it does feel like a bunch of dummies caused a lot of this, but let's, let's back off that for a second and, and take a view. Cause here's some of the things I would suspect as an example, what if when they started to go cashless, all of a sudden they put out an offer, Oh, we've got this digital wallet for you. There's a free thousand dollars in every wallet. We know you're having a hard time paying your rent, buying your food, by the way, all debts go away. Got a car loan goes away. Got a home loan goes away got a school loan goes away. I can imagine things like that. And things like that would probably get mass acceptance. And that's why it becomes so scary because one of the big effects behind what happened in 2020 was the number of businesses and people that were broke. People that were doing fine in society, paying their rent, making a living, going on vacation, running businesses. And it's a catch 22. Um, of all the businesses in my area, I know of exactly one that said, screw you, we're not closing our doors, screw you, we're not wearing masks, and you are not a dictator. We don't have to listen to you. And the state still sent in its investigators. I've covered this before, but it was one out of all those places. That one business is flourishing. And there are many others which are not, because what did they do? They closed their doors as they were directed. They forced people to do all this ridiculous stuff, like stand behind this line and wear you know, a, a, a hazmat suit when you come in here, all the things that were done. And so right now, there are tons and tons of people that are broke. Basically, they have been made nearly destitute. But this is the catch-22, Jason. Had they said no, that probably would not have been the case. Well, unfortunately, that sounds like a bunch of dummies to me. I would agree with that if I had never done anything stupid in my life. But Hey, we all do stupid <laughs> things, but three years later? I know. I know. It's, it's a bit much. Executive Order 14067, officially titled Ensuring Responsible Development of Digital Assets, was signed on March 9, 2022. The executive order aims at developing a digital assets policy plan and organize federal regulators' efforts in this area. The order outlines five main goals, which includes protection of consumers and investors, monetary stability, decreasing financial and national security risks, economic competitiveness, and responsible innovation. It also asks for more work to be done into developing a United States central bank digital currency. Companies in the digital asset field will likely see policy changes in the form of regulation and enforcement, but it might also give the market and its participants more clarity. The order instructs federal agencies to conduct a wide assessment of existing policies relating to digital assets and to submit reports recommending regulatory and legislative reforms. The order does not change the way digital assets are governed immediately. Nevertheless, it marks the start of a process to develop a regulatory framework that addresses all elements of digital assets. It demonstrates the United States' acknowledgement of the importance of digital assets and blockchain technology in the global financial system, as well as its intention to remain a leader in the global financial system through responsible payment innovation and digital asset development. How's that to end our one? Yeah, I, I'm not fooled, Jason. Framework that addresses all elements of digital assets, regulatory and legislative reforms. I know what that means. It means they're coming to control, but I would ask a simple question. Why don't you say digital currency or digital something to do with the idea of money? You said digital assets. 
Is my website a digital asset? Is this digital audio recording that you and I are recording for episode 500 right now a digital asset? These are the things that I begin to notice. And I mean, come on, federal federal regulators, what does that even mean? The Federal Reserve is called federal. There's nothing federal about it. In other words, all trust is gone here. And what I see is the bid for absolute total control. Control at a level that makes 1984, the book, seem like a cakewalk. And I'm not even kidding. That's really what's in the offing here, uh, where you literally can't do a damn thing in your life that isn't monitored and approved. Or, I mean, just look at the digital rating system. The digital rating system is another thing that was a and from my point of view, a child of what was handed to China at a picnic in 1997, which led to their form of Facebook, which controls everything. And the idea of what could be done with smartphones, um, basically, just for people who aren't aware, they had a problem with recognizing faces. They overcame that by paying people to smile in a camera. They overcame a problem they couldn't solve in like a day or two. It was so fast. And on top of that, they walked away with a system where if you do something they don't like, you simply get a text that says you just lost five points or you've been fined or whatever. There is no complaining. There is, it's basically, you've just been informed. And that's, that's where all of this digital, basically nonsense is heading. And the CBDC is going to be the bars on, uh, on that prison, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Well, we've got a long way to go. Hour two coming up. All right. Well, there's half of episode 500. It's been, it's been so long, Jason. When we first, when I first started doing this, it was pretty clear uh, that the world was about to change in ways that, frankly, I couldn't have imagined. I mean, I thought I had an idea, but when it finally came down to it and it happened, I ended up thinking, how could I have not seen this? I've seen the plague idea played up in movies, in Illuminati card games. I've seen it everywhere. And you kind of feel stupid because you knew that we were on the precipice of something massive because the, 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 the pieces on the chessboard don't move unless something is about to happen. And, you know, in March of 2020, it was clear as day. Here it is. We're doing this now. And as we speak now on April the 26th, 2023, we are on the cusp of big, big changes. And for the life of me, if everybody forgets that you do not have to accept offers, that you were granted God-given rights, you, you could almost literally undermine most of the court experiences you would ever be drug into by simply walking in and saying, I'm the beneficiary and I retain and claim all my God-given rights and never saying another word. That's how big a deal God-given rights are. And that is what is in the offing here. Can they coerce a way that we will allow this, even grudgingly allow this to happen until the point where there are no God-given rights anywhere in view? Because that's what's coming here. And whether or not it succeeds, I can't tell you. What I, what I tell you I think is probable is that like 50 or 60 years from now, we're going to be on the road to a much better place. But in the short run, man, there's a lot going on. And if we don't start turning it down and stopping things that are unacceptable, there's going to be some hell to pay for a while. What would you add, Jason, as we wrap up our one here? So this is what they're going for. Let's just not uh, play around here. It's really up to you. It's up to all of us to put our foot down and say, no, no further. We're not letting you do this because believe me, the public face of a lot of this, which is the World Economic Forum and their snapping turtle Klaus Schwab telling you what you can and can't do in the future with the future that's almost here. Uh, we got to stop this crap. It's up to all of us. And that's all I can really say. 20 years ago, if someone would have told you that the World Economic Forum and the UN will be running the world, they wouldn't have believed you. But here it is. It's demonstrable. This is happening. I guess I'll close our one with this idea. Every day when I go out and I try to do my meditations and every day when I do my prayers, I thank the creator for my God-given rights. But I do another thing. I claim them every day so I don't forget, so that I have announced to the world 
I have claimed my God-given rights, and I demand that anyone who would infringe those rights that I have claimed will cease and desist now and for all time. And this idea is going to be very important as we head in to the summer of this year, all the way around to the summer of next year. There are going to be so many moving pieces. There are going to be so many clever little manipulations put behind them. Who knows what false events that seem massive and scary may be done. It's hard to tell, but what we do know is everything from this point forward is a bid to take away every modicum of freedom from everyone, everywhere, and fence them in digitally. And that's where we're at now. And I hate to to end an hour one with that, but I will say, well, maybe I won't say, it's up to us, basically. What we allow to happen will happen. And in the long run, I don't think this will stand. But in the short run, who wants to live in a world like the one we're describing here? I don't think anybody does. With that, hour one is free at crow777radio.com. Everyone can go there. It's all free. Just hit the page. Uh, Members know to log in. Shoot the Moon, which is a two-hour film Jason made about my scope work, uh, has 10 awards now. And I think we have a sponsor video that kind of breaks down some of the things that we've done over the past few years, which we'll be putting out here shortly. But with that, we're going to get ready for hour two of episode 500, which tries to frame up as best we can where we are and where we are headed. Uh, I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing. Ha!